Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. A ministry moment on the Dove. Angels, they're actively involved in the life of the believer. You could call them God's secret agents or maybe God's Navy SEALs. You know, the Navy SEALs, and they go around the world and they do these amazing operations. A lot of times we don't even know they were there, but they get the job done. Angels are the same. They do the bidding of God. The Bible says that they protect us. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps round about those that fear him. That means if you're a believer, you have angels watching over you. Now, do Christians have guardian angels? I don't know. There is a reference in scripture where Jesus spoke of the children's angels, their angels, he said. So maybe kids have guardian angels. Some kids need guardian angels. But if we have personalized angels are not this much we know angels are involved in our lives protecting us also they're ministering to us we read that they're ministering spirits sent to minister to those who are the heirs of salvation that's us and finally they escort us because one day when our life on earth is done the angels will escort us to glory so they protect us until god is done with us and then when our work is completed in this world We're escorted into God's glory by angelic beings. So it's so great to know that the Lord has us covered and we have angels all around us. A ministry moment on the Dove. And uh, we always value the time that is given to us when we have Frank Gaffney with us, formerly under the uh, Reagan administration, vice president of the Committee of Present Danger, China, and the founder of the exec and executive chairman of the Center for Policy, uh, Security Policy. Uh, his new book is The Indictment, uh, Prosecuting the Chinese Communist Party and Friends of uh, for Crimes Against America, China, and the World. So we have a lot to talk about. His website is centerforsecuritypolicy.org. And uh, you can go there for a lot of information. Thanks, Frank, for your time. Good to see you, friend. How are you? It is always a privilege to be with you, and uh, the better for being so. <laughs> well, thank you, Frankie. You're so kind. I have to consider you uh, one of my go-to sources for geo-foreign policy experts. You're, you're one of the guys. And uh I'm just curious, uh, recently uh, the Biden administration made an international agreement with Iran. Um, I basically, I, from what I understand, hopefully, I guess we're going to get some prisoners out of this deal. But at the end of the day, I guess all the sanctions that we had against Iran are being lifted. Is that the deal? I think it's a little clear whether unclear whether it will be all of the sanctions or just some of them are being relaxed, some of them been relaxed already. But mm-hmm. what we do know, Perry, is that we're going to be freeing up uh, over a billion dollars per hostage in frozen assets of Iran that our friends in South Korea have held all, for all these years. Um, this puts a price on the head of every American, obviously. And I fear is a further terrible precedent for the conduct of uh, American policy, not just towards Iran, but really towards uh, anybody who thinks that they can get something by seizing 
imprisoning, torturing, or otherwise uh, uh, making off with American citizens. In addition to that, Frank, uh, what does this do to the Abraham Accord and the state of Israel? What the U.S. policy has been towards uh, both the Abraham Accord and Israel under the Biden administration, which I really consider to be, Perry, the Obama-Biden third administration. Mm-hmm. And like Obama-Biden 1.0 and 2.0, 3.0 has been deeply hostile to Israel, uh, deeply hostile to anything that Donald Trump was involved in, including the Abraham Accords, which is, you know, where these uh, arrangements between Israel and a number of Muslim nations uh, that essentially amounted to peace agreements. Uh, but they're deep commitment, the Obama-Biden team, towards Iran, towards the regime in Iran. I don't mean the people of Iran. They apparently have no interest in the people of Iran, but they're very committed to the government of Iran, one of the most hostile, one of the most dangerous, um, certainly one of the most um, ominous, if it joins the nuclear club, which seems to be imminent, of all on this planet. So you ask the question, what does this latest deal mean for uh, our interests in the Middle East? I would say it's very bad for Israel, as has been American policy under Biden and before that, Obama. And it's a further evidence that this administration is intent on raising up the enemies of the parties, uh, not just Israel, of course, but uh, these Muslim parties, the Shiites uh, of Iran, hostile to the Sunnis of these various Muslim other nations. And I'm concerned that uh, what it likely leads to is war. So given what you just said, this does heighten something that we in the West don't really understand, and that's the forever going struggle between the Shiites and the Sunnis. So if these sanctions are lifted, it empowers Iran to move closer to the nuclear bomb. Does that draw Saudi Arabia into the Abraham Accord? Well, I think we're at the point where the Iranians have to be assumed to have nuclear weapons. We, we still are going well with this fiction that they're a threshold nation. They, they, they could have them, but they don't have them just yet because they haven't uploaded the highly enriched uranium that they've been processing now for years into functional weapons, putting them on delivery systems of various kinds. I, I don't know of any basis for thinking that we can so carefully calibrate where that enriched uranium actually is to say that they're a threshold but not an actual nuclear weapon state at the moment. Mm. Does this does this drive the Saudis into the arms of the Israelis? Um, a little hard to say. I think that they have been uh, becoming closer, the House of Saud, as they say, and, and the Israelis for years because of this mutual enemy, because of the threat that it represented. For most of that time, particularly during the Trump era, uh, the United States was very supportive of both of these nations that on uh, uh, the scale of uh, the Middle East especially are on our side. The Biden administration, however, made it a point 
of not quite severing relations with the Saudis, but doing everything they could to alienate the Saudis from us and to undermine the royal family. Yeah. And uh, I think we're we're watching this play out. My guess is there will be a deal between the Israelis and Saudis for what it's worth, but I don't think it will be because of us. I think it will be despite us, as a matter of fact. Because at the end of the day, the Saudis have to say, is Iran having the bomb more dangerous to Israel or to Saudi Arabia? When really they have the common enemy, I, I'll use that term, uh, they they probably would both like to see Israel wiped off the map, but at the same time, that nuclear gun could be t pointed towards Saudi Arabia because of the Shiite-Sunni war going on. I mean, yes. they're, they're in a tough spot right now. Look, the Saudis, I think, are looking to Israel, um, not because they are particularly fond of the Jews. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much baked into their DNA, they're not. But they see them as a counterweight to mm. an Iran that you're absolutely right, Barry, is a threat to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And so uh, enemy of my enemy of my, is my friend, as they say <laughs> in the Middle East, is uh, a hardy perennial there. And this is operating at the moment, I think. Oh, God help us there. Um, I, I want to preserve the time, but I do want to go over and kind of lean on your uh, experience and interest of what's happening to the former president with all these indictments, especially the one now in Georgia. But overall, what's your take of what's happening to a former president with all these indictments that it, on the surface, if you look at the 30,000 foot view, we have a justice system that you have one for the Bidens and you have one for the Trumps. I mean, it's, it's become so clear. And then just a few hours ago, uh, the attorney general in Georgia has announced that she wants the trial on these indictments to be on the eve of Super Tuesday. I mean, it doesn't get any more blatant than this. What's your, what's your take? It's absolutely in your face that this is political warfare using sort of a technique known as lawfare to try to take out a political opponent, the most arguably uh, formidable adversary of uh, President Biden in this re-election campaign. And uh, yeah, as you say, to Perry, I think it was not the attorney general, but the uh, district attorney. District attorney, I'm sorry. These charges yeah. uh, in Fulton County, uh, she couldn't be more clear. This is all about politics uh, with that announcement that she wants it uh, to start. And of course, Super Tuesday is uh, the date on which the Georgia contest uh, is the most important of the elections that will be taking place uh, there. So uh, to the extent that the purpose is to see if they can get the former president convicted of some felony offense, and on that basis, uh, get some states around the country that have a prohibition on anyone who is uh, a, a convicted felon from uh, running for office, dropped from the ballot. That would be, I think, the object of the exercise. And uh, it's as cynical and I think as, uh, well, honestly, probably unconstitutional uh, as it is uh, repugnant morally. Do you see a loophole in all of this? I mean, we can have oversight committees, look over agencies, the FBI, the DOJ, even the FTC was called on the carpet the other day, and then they turn around and destroy evidence. But here's the loophole. It doesn't appear that there's anything forcible to cause an agency to fall in line. 
Uh, I'm not sure I understand the thrust of your question. Well, to fall in line with what? Well, um, if if you got a district attorney that's being political, how can you unwind that? Yeah. Uh, how, if you got a if you got a, uh, a um, head of the Department of Justice that is trying to make sweet deals for the Bidens and yet continue to do full on indictments against a former president, how do you enforce any kind of equal access to the law? Yeah, these are profoundly important questions, and and why? Because uh, Perry, I really think that this is so foundational to our constitutional republic, equal justice under the law, uh, the rule of law, a a government of law, not men, is just central to it. And this is incredibly, not just corrosive, but I think destructive. The the idea that um, federal departments uh, are conducting themselves in this way uh, could have as a corrective the election of a new president who puts in new people to run those agencies and change the course. Uh, something going on at the state level is a whole different kettle of fish, unfortunately. Um, the president would not have the option of pardoning himself, I guess, is one way of going, uh, if it's a state-level felony conviction. And in the meantime, I think it may be that that gambit that I just described, uh, designed to get him off balance, uh, would keep him from getting the chance to have the corrective, at least with the federal agencies. But it's uh, it's bigger than just the specifics of this case. I think this is really a frontal assault on this idea that uh, if you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, it doesn't matter. You get the same treatment. Uh, you are innocent and, uh, until proven guilty. But once you're guilty, you are going to be, uh, you know, uh, treated accordingly without fear or favor. Yeah, I I guess my brain's on tilt. Um, we, we just don't seem to be applying equal justice, it seems to be. I mean, when you have the FTC uh, in the last couple of days called on the carpet, and what they do? They erased all the files. They lost them. Uh, you have the January 6th committee uh, destroy all their records. Uh, you, you go to Hillary Clinton, loses 13,000 emails. I mean, you've got stuff going on here. 30,000. Uh, 30,000. Okay, so you got all this stuff going on here. They're just erasing stuff. I mean, that's tampering Destroying with Destroying evidence, yeah. Uh, it's just it's staggering and that we can't yeah. seem to get a handle on it. Well, accountability is where this starts. And I think uh, impeachment as a mechanism in the Congress is uh, one of the correctives the founders had in mind. OK, I want to come back to your book uh, called The Indictment. Uh, and uh, always an honor to have with us Frank Gaffney. Check out his website, centerforsecuritypolicy.org. And we'll come back and uh, deal with this new book called The Indictment. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Always-
always an honor when he gives us time to have with us Frank Gaffney today. His website, centerforsecuritypolicy.org. But he wrote a book called The Indictment, a picture of that on the screen. And you can check it out uh, at the bookstores and certainly uh, go online there at centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Frank, you talk about uh, and you identify nine criminal charges that could be made and perhaps must be brought against China, the Chinese Communist Party um, to the point where you wrote a book about it. How serious are these? Life and death. I think we've got to get this right, uh, or we face not just the possibility, but I think the decided prospect, Perry, of uh, not just the what the Chinese call uh, unrestricted, uh, sort of pre-kinetic kind of warfare, which they've engaged in against us for decades, but the old-fashioned kind, the shooting kind. And people will die, uh, people in uniform, most obviously, but probably a lot of others of us as well, unless we deter the Chinese Communist Party from the aggression that uh, Xi Jinping, its uh, emperor, uh, clearly has in mind for us. And so I, I think the stakes could simply not be higher than they are at the moment. We've got to prosecute this case at a minimum in places like this, in the court of public opinion, to effect, if not, you know, the accountability that we were just talking about a moment ago with respect to the Chinese Communist Party, at least um, the change in our policies towards them that will hopefully uh, ultimately contribute to their downfall, as uh, my old boss Ronald Reagan brought about the end of the last existential threat to freedom we face, namely the Soviet Union. Um, there's a part of this equation that's becoming more and more, um, at least I'm becoming more and more aware of it. You, you're probably all over the top of it. And that is, in the meantime, China's got some serious internal problems. Their economy is not good. Their workforce is in problem. Their pay rates are in the ditch. Uh, got you got starvation on the threshold, and real estate values have plummeted. Uh, even with their ability to change the value of the currency on the whim, doesn't seem to be pulling this mess out. <laughs> What's your take? You're right, and the list goes on. Uh, I, I personally think probably the single biggest and really intractable problem that the Chinese Communist Party faces uh, is something we talk about in the first of those crimes in the indictment, namely the crimes against humanity. Uh, and, and we make the point that by some estimates, the Chinese Communist Party over its horrific lifespan has killed a hundred million of its own people. But that doesn't take into account, Perry, the 400 million that the CCP boasts of having murdered in the womb, most of them girls. So what that's produced, this so-called um, one-child policy, it's been changed since, but it's basically their population control program that has caused this incredible infanticide, is a population of maybe some 40 million young men for whom there are no women. And that is a societal challenge that just doesn't quit. It gives rise, though, 
as does the litany that you just described, I fear to a solution that totalitarians have historically adopted when faced with these kinds of internal problems and arrestive population and growing demands for change. And that is an external boogeyman. No, I, I somebody that can be used to rally people around the government and the flag, and yeah. uh, then go to war. And those forty million young men would make splendid cannon fodder for such a conflict. And that may well be the solution that Xi has in mind. Starting with Taiwan. Starting with Taiwan, but almost certainly including us, Perry. And and, uh, as as you know, uh, one of the things that we've done that really made this book possible were uh, some 70 at the time webinars in which we've talked to the best experts we can find in the country, and for that matter, to some extent around the world as well, about what the Chinese Communist Party is about. We think it's a transnational criminal organization. What it seeks, it seeks the domination of the world. How does it get it? It has to take us out. It wages warfare of various kinds to accomplish that. You put all of that together, and the solution that our experts have come to uh, is Xi has to take us out, not just Taiwan, if it seeks ultimate victory. Uh, before I run out of time, I want to lean into you personally because I know where you are com- coming from personally. But there's one other factor. It's called the God factor. You don't break mm-hmm. God's laws. God's laws break you. Covenant keepers win. Covenant breakers lose. They are violating humanity like no one else on earth. Uh, and there are some other genocide problems going on around the world. But if you just take China alone, they have violated God to a level that we can't even begin to comprehend. Amen. And so internally... It would be godlike to unwind them where they can't function. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I got one that, minute. That may be that may be what is afoot here. In part, is God's grace uh, helping us survive the threat that these guys pose to us? I, I'm not sure we're worthy of it. I pray we are, and I (laughs) I think we need to be doing everything we can to uh, repent and seek that grace, because it probably is the only thing that will prevent uh, what the Chinese have in mind for us, which is our ultimate destruction. Look, even if it's just uh, the end times, and we know how it comes out, there's a lot of rough country (laughs) in the way, (laughs) and I just just pray to God that uh, that he'll help us get through it. You're the watchman on the wall, Frank. God bless you, friend. Uh, They can get the book online and go to the Center for SecurityPolicy.org and get it there. Uh, Yep, theindictmentbook.com and basically any place books are sold. All right, theindictmentbook.com, Center for SecurityPolicy.org or anywhere online. There's a picture of the cover of the book right there by Frank Gaffney. Check that out. God bless you, friend. Thanks for your time. We value it greatly. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.